Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Monday, everybody. I am John Schmelk, and welcome to another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants Mobile App. Joining me today is Paul Dottino. We also partnered on the MSG and YouTube program yes, of we practice did. today. I don't think the YouTube one is up quite yet. It should be soon. After 5 o'clock, usually. Yes, and then uh, tonight, obviously, check it out on MSG for a Giants training camp report sponsored by Citizen. So you'll get our take on practice on what happened uh, with some video with it as well. So that was a lot of fun, Paul. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, I commend all the folks who are out here enjoying things. Heat index was over Ooh. 100 degrees. Much much credit to our crew for sending all that stuff up and yeah. everything in this heat. Tell Man. me about Ooh. it. And, folks, if you're coming out tomorrow, same thing again. Temperatures in the mid-90s, humidity, heat index is going to be touching 100. So just make sure you bring water, you drink, you towel off, stay in the shade when you can. It's uh, it's a serious heat wave we're we're having right the now. Heat de- the heat definitely hit me today because I am exhausted, like just tired. Like the heat has sucked energy out of me. I got nothing in the tank right now. You know, this is what training camp was like in the old days. Yeah. You know, except back- you'd have to go back out in two more hours for another practice. Well, yeah. <laughs> Parcells sometimes used to run three a days, John. Yeah. Folks, just so you understand, he right? was a lunatic. Well, today because of the CBA, you get a two-hour maximum of a fully padded practice, then you get a maximum hour and a half walkthrough if you want to have a second practice later on in the day. But you can't have pads on and you can't hit. It's strictly a walkthrough. So maximum amount of time that you're allowed to be on the field over the two sessions is two hours plus one and a half hours. And only the first two hours can be hitting. I mean, when I talk about flag football, compared to the old days, this really is. It is. So we'll see what happens. Uh, practice today, second straight day in pads, Paul. Tomorrow, First time. they will be a, yes, last week they had padded practices, but they were separated. Mm-hmm. So there'll be padded practice. There's one yesterday, there's one today, there'll be one tomorrow. Then the players get their day off. I'm sure they'll walk through on Wednesday morning. And then we get on the train and we head up to Providence and do the Patriot game on Thursday night. So we're getting close to that first preseason game. You know, it's funny, John. Uh, Dable was saying to the media just uh, yesterday, that the conditioning stuff is pretty much over. By the time we get to Wednesday of this week, training camp will have gone two full weeks from the time they opened and reported till the time uh, Wednesday comes around. 
they will have a combined total of 10 padded practices by the time the final preseason game is played against the Jets on August the 28th. But as we just said a moment ago, this was the first time they had back-to-back fully padded practices. Dable says the conditioning is over. Now it's time to see who can do what. Well, in fairness, he did have to do you extra know. running in between plays again oh, today. Oh, he did. So the conditioning is still being worked on. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> emphasis of conditioning, though, Correct. Is, yes. is gone now through the first week and a half. Uh, he's into more evaluations right now. But, yes, you're absolutely right. What I call, it's a new drill that I hadn't seen till Dable started running it this week. Um, and, and I call it the run and set drill which is where the offense goes down the field, they get close to the end of a drive, and then he says, okay, guys, we're going to run all the way down to the other end of the field. We're going to quickly set, and we're going to finish the drive on the other end of the field after you've sprinted about 80 yards. (laughs) So I call it the run and set drill. That's the conditioning that you just alluded to. Yeah, and the whole point is to try to make these guys execute when the plays, uh, when they're tired, execute plays when they're exhausted, which happens in the fourth quarter of these games. So Mm -hmm. that's why they're doing it. Um, there was a little fracas today. <laughs> yes. Things got a little physical. Uh, it started Saquon Barkley, kind of ran over Aaron Robinson on a running play. And then, uh, there are a couple other physical plays involving Tay Crowder. Crowder. And yeah. then three John in a row. Luciano got involved. And mm-hmm. then it was a little chaotic. Pushing and shoving. I call it a fracas, uh, feistiness, abrasiveness, if you will. Nothing that was a full-blown WWE Battle Royal. You like Scrum? Scrum isn't bad either. Like Scrum? You know. um, But not a heavyweight boxing match. No one got hurt. Not a steel cage match. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, John, I'm going to show my age. We used to see these things once, twice a week in practice all the time in the old days. When do you not show your age, by the way? I know, I know. Every time I look in the mirror, I see it. Uh, But the truth of the matter is... This was nothing unusual. In the dog days of August, when these guys are out there and they're hitting and they've got full pads on, there are going to be some short fuses. And from what we were able to ascertain, talking to Ward and Love, two defenders after practice, is, and I'm going to paraphrase what they said, Dable gathered the team together. He had them for about four minutes or so after the fracas. Got them up in a circle, and the instructions were as follows. Guys, I love the physicality. I love the energy. That stuff is great. But we need to be careful. We need to make sure we don't get anybody hurt. And by the way, that's it. It's over. It's done. Move on to the next play and focus. And that's what happened. The circle broke up and they finished out the rest of practice with no more incidents. And so as far as we could tell, especially talking to those two defensive players, uh, they followed the directions and there was really not much to do about this. But, of course, because there wasn't much about practice anyway, not a lot of huge plays, not a lot of great stuff went on today. A couple interceptions, yeah. nice plays. Dory Jackson had a really cool one. Yeah. But I think the writers are going to make the fracas their main story. Well, I mean, they've been writing about practice for two weeks. Right. Wouldn't you wait? If you had a chance, wouldn't you write about they, Well, there's, there's nothing. there was really nothing uh-huh. else exciting to write about today. It was a very mediocre kind of practice. And quite honestly... McKinney had the other interception, by the way. Yeah, the other one, the second one, yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought that Jones was up and down today. It was a very mixed bag for him. A couple rough throws. Is it fair to say, John? But he he had some good throws, too, so... I think I I would say he's had three practices so far in training camp, to me, 
where I was like, you know, that's a mixed bag and it's subpar and he's got to be better. This was one of those three for me that I, I really think he probably wishes he had improved. It was just not a great day for him. But he also did have enough of decent throws and good throws where I think mixed bag is actually the appropriate term to use. Sure, I agree with that. Um, Colin Johnson had another nice day. He Paul, did. He, he, look, you can't teach height. That's our running joke here. But he has, and it's not, he makes contested catches. Mm-hmm. He gets separation too on some of these routes. He has run past some cornerbacks on some plays to get down the field at a great Diving catch on a ball today went completely airborne. Crailed in and went down to the floor. Mm-hmm. And he's just impressing. And, you know, when we did our um, most critical players who the Giants could least afford to lose this year, and I picked Kenny Galladay, my explanation was, well, I don't really see anyone else that can step in that I feel great about that's that size and can do the things Kenny Galladay does. Now, I'm not saying Colin Johnson is Kenny Galladay. He's not. Kenny Galladay has a long track record of high-level production in the NFL. But if you just, you know... You're talking about the role. If you had the two guys swap jerseys and just had them walk onto the practice field, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. I'm not not saying watching them play. Physically, they're very similar. If you literally had them switch uniforms and walk onto the field, you wouldn't know they had swapped uniforms until you actually start Mm -hmm. seeing them play. They're very similar physically. There are two players on the depth chart who fit the role of skyscraper. Or that traditional X-wide receiver that you're Johnson for. Mm-hmm. and David Sills. Yes. They both fit that traditional type of body type. Sills is 6'4". Is Sills listed at 6'4"? Well, he is. Whether or not they list him that, I'm telling you, he's 6'4". They have Sills listed at... Where's Sills here? Let's change his number, right? What is he at now? 13? Yeah. 6'3". I think they're cheating him a little. Why would they make a guy shorter? <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. But 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 the truth of the matter is, those are, those are the two skyscrapers on the depth chart. I think he's 6'4". Don't do, do bring in a tape measure for you? And you can uh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it's that. It's like how I'm really six feet. And, and I, oh, well, we know Lance isn't. But but I would say this. You're right, John. It's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, one of those two guys would have to step up and be that big guy. If Galladay were to get hurt, and yeah. let's not kid ourselves, Galladay's resume is much more accomplished than either one, either one of those of guys. Of course, yeah, it's not even close. And I'm going to try to get Colin Johnson for a Giants huddle that'll uh, roll tomorrow. That'll be our radio pregame interview as well. So hopefully we'll have a chance to talk to him and we'll get to some insight into how camp's going for him. But he's just one of these guys. He doesn't drop passes either. No. Like, I don't think he's – does he drop the pass all camp long, Colin Johnson? One. I, don't, I remember one. one. Okay. I remember one. Maybe it was early in practice when I still had the COVID. Mm. So I, I couldn't – I wasn't here for a couple, or at least I had to stand really far away from everybody. Um, but, yeah, he's been really consistent with his hands too. He, he – look, I remember when he came out of Tennessee, and you'll recall I liked him as, like, one of my skyscraper guys, a dark horse yeah. guy that yeah. I had. as an early day three pick, like a kind of a fourth pick I thought he type. was – yeah. Meriting consideration. I'd, I'd have to go back to my notes on what my notes were on him. Um, he had deceptive speed, okay, because let's face it, he's not very quick, but had deceptive speed, and he was the type of guy who could get open and certainly was very strong with his hands and had the ability to fight guys off in tough areas, make contested catches, uh, had a wide range and radius to catch the ball, a big box, as I like to call it. And, you know, I was disappointed, to be honest, when when they didn't. Because at that time, 
we were talking about the Giants wide receiver core, and you know, I kept crying. They need a skyscraper. Is that the 2020 draft? goes back uh, 2020. Yeah, I think 2020. Right, let me see if I can find my. And I was there. crying because they were all short receivers. They had a bunch of Smurfs in there, no skyscrapers, and I was looking for one. And Johnson was a guy that I had my eyes on. Now, at the same time. Last year, he played, I think, 12 games, had 11 catches for just over 100 yards. All right? He he showed some capabilities in cameos. Is that enough to think that he deserves a spot on this 53? No, that's funny. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that it does, but I, I like him very much on the practice squad. I'd love to have him as a reserve, as insurance. Yeah. So I'm just going through my notes here, and it's funny. Um I just happened to flip to the Kadarius Tony page from two years ago. Did you? Yes. So this is no notes from this. This is just Senior Bowl only. Okay. This is just what I wrote down. Of of Johnson. No, the, of well, Tony. I'm, I'm just gonna give you Tony, and then I have to try to find you. Okay. Okay. But Tony, what I just I just flipped to the page. Yes. So Tony, what I wrote down from the Senior Bowl, big play. Well, and keep in mind, we don't know anything about these guys when we get to the Senior Bowl. We're literally right. learning and just what we're watching. Big play wide receiver can get yards after the catch or win over the top. Can make contested catches strong, plays bigger than his size, late first round, early second round pick. That was my senior bowl notes on And I, I think that was the common thoughts on Tony all along. So let's see. I guess he was the same year as Daniel Jones then, Colin Johnson? Oh my God. You know what, that John? Right. Hold on. Let me find them. Hold on. Let me see if I have them in here. Oh, boy. There are some names in here. Dwayne Haskins. Oh. Uh, You know what? It's hard to go back and look at some of those things because, obviously, some of them you get right and others you get way, way wrong. Debo Samuel, good yak, elusive, built thick like a running back. Yeah. Has second year, good acceleration, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else do we got here? All right. DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown. Oh, remember Hakeem Butler? Yes. Giants almost. I thought the Giants could have picked him in the fourth round, and he has not worked out. No, not at all. Uh, let's see. Deontay Johnson. But I will tell oh, you. Here's David Sills. If that interests you. Uh, let's see. Nah, I don't, you know, I don't have a write-up on Colin Johnson in here. Doesn't look I'm like. surprised. Yeah. He was there, wasn't he? Round five, pick 165. In what year? 20, 2020. 2020. It was 2020. I thought so. Oh, I was looking at 2019. That's why. Oh, wrong I book. I was looking at 2019. No, it's in the same book. It's just separated by, separated okay. by section. Let's see. 2020. All right. So that was the Brandon Ayuki year here. Let me see. Uh, let's see. Pittman. So Jr. anyway. Yep, go ahead. So when he was with the Longhorns down, down at Texas, he showed, and they were not a team, by the way, that necessarily wanted him to make the big play. Wait, was it Longhorns or He was Texas. Texas. No, I, did I say Tennessee yeah. before? I misspoke. Well, I remember, I think I actually got that wrong once when we were talking about him on the air because I remember that he wore orange on his game tape. Yes. I didn't remember if it was Tennessee yes. or Texas. It's, it's not, it's yes, not it hard. Texas, it's not hard yeah, to forget. Correct. I mean, it's, it's easy to forget, I should say. Yeah. But he was a guy who, you know, he did, he did some really, really good things when he was there, but he was not necessarily a speed demon or a big play guy. He was more of a medium-range receiver. And, you know, part of what I liked about him, John, I figured that he could project to be a hell of a blocker, too, because of his, his size. Yeah. He's, got, he's got length, and he's got some strength to him. I Look, I don't know what's going to happen here. The Giants will probably keep six. I, I think we would both agree six, right, on the 53? Yeah, I mean, you could, you could only go five if you wanted to. You could. You could. I'm I'm thinking probably six though. 
All right, I can't find my Colin Johnson. All right, anymore. not to See, worry. See, this is why I, one day in the offseason when I have time, I need to take these notes and I need to put them into a Excel. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I need to put them into an Excel spreadsheet so I can actually find the damn things when I'm looking for them. Um, I think that would be actually pretty useful. If I but I mean, you know, do that. He, he averaged 14 yards a catch, which is a nice, good medium range to a little bit higher uh, when he was when he was at Texas. Um, but here's the bottom line, okay? He is having a good offseason. Yeah. And an offseason that's going to get him noticed by the coaches. Now, whether or not it gets him on the 53, again, I'm inclined to think it won't. But I don't think they're going to want him to leave the building. All right. So let's, yeah, I totally agree with you. All right. Let's open the phones. 201-939-4513. I already see we got one person on hold. We'll get to you in just a second. Again, it's 201-939-4513. All right, Paul. Uh, we want to talk about what the coordinator said today before yeah. we get to our phone calls. Quickly, this was Dable from the weekend. We haven't talked about it on the show yet. He basically said everyone's going to play on Thursday. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. So how much each guy plays and each starter is dependent on the player, what right. he needs to see and all that stuff. But he understands, at least right now, that these guys need reps. So they're going to be out there. And This probably tells me, Paul, personally, that assuming they're healthy, we're going to see the, we're going to see the real players in all three preseason games. Because I don't think – I'm still of the idea – you cannot afford to not play these guys at all in that final preseason game because then you're looking at three weeks between game action for starters, between the preseason and the regular season. So I think we're going to see guys in all three of these preseason games. To me, if you're going to sit guys out of preseason games, this is the game you sit the guys out of. So my guess is you're going to see them in all three. I agree with you a thousand percent. I think that Dable, I'm very pleased to say. Oh, I, I knew you were happy when you heard him say that. He clearly <laughs> seems to be leaning towards my philosophy of making sure these guys get their reps and making sure that they have some type of fabric uh, down before they get to the regular season. Look, John, I'm sick of bad Septembers, okay? Let's not kid ourselves anymore. This team has had some horrible Septembers for quite a long time. And one of the reasons that I believe – that has been the case is because they have not been properly prepared mm-hmm. and not had enough snaps together during the preseason. I've been vocal about this, screaming from the top of the Empire State Building. Some people hate me for it. Other people understand where I'm coming from. I will tell you this, and it probably won't surprise you. Can I understand you and still hate you at the same time? Uh, right. Okay, good. The alums <laughs> the, the alums who come through here, and you know the Giants have alums doing autographs every single day. And we'll have Giant Huddles coming up with Stephen Baker and Otis Anderson at some point. Indeed we will. Every one of these alums that comes through, and I see them, we always talk about the preseason snaps, and they always complain about the flag football training camps and how these guys need to play in the preseason. They all say it. And I I come from that generation, so what do you expect from me? The old man echo chamber on the sideline. There you go. Yes. You know, so uh, in any event, yes, that's what Dable has said, and I do expect the guys to play in all three. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." 
Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. uh, Coordinators today. I thought a couple things were of note. Um, Wink Martindale talking about the green dot and who it would go on. And basically what I got out of it, Paul, he wants the green dot on the guy that's going to be on the field all the time. And the two guys that are going to be on the field all the time are Xavier McKinney and Julian Love. So those, he said, the McKinney thing is not set in stone. He mentioned Julian Love as a possibility. He said a linebacker could be a possibility. I like the line where he said just because the NFL has done something a certain way forever doesn't mean that's the best way to do it. And I try to, you know, find the best way to do it, even if it's not what people have always done. I think that's a great way to approach um, football strategy and coaching. So... I think we're going to see one of those two safeties with the green dot. He said it could change week mm-hmm. to week. It's not impossible. But to me, Wink basically said, look, I want the guy with the dot on the field as much as possible, and that's going to be one of those two safeties, Xavier McKinney or Julian Love. Right? He did mention possibility of a linebacker, too. Yep. No, he did. You I know. just said that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, John, we've been talking about this now for weeks, that there's going to be a lot of game-by-game, week-by-week tendencies. I think this is an extension of that, right? The other thing I thought he said that was important, Paul, he said he really likes what he's seen out of of the first-team defensive backs. So that's McKinney, Love, Holmes, who he called Dirty 30 because he likes to do the physical dirty work in there. (laughs) Not that he plays dirty, but he likes to do the dirty work. He's a tough guy. And then Robinson and Dillard Jackson outside. But he also went out of his way to say, we need to figure out who the guys are going to be behind those starters uh, in terms of backup safeties and cornerbacks, you all know it's very difficult to keep those defensive backs with all the running that they do healthy for the entire season. You're mm-hmm. going to need a couple, a couple probably of corners and at least a third safety, maybe even a fourth, to be able to step in at some point during the year. So really the evaluation process on figuring out who those backups are going to be is really in full force here. Well, it has to be because, let's face it, the Giants need to know who's going to back up those starters. They They feel pretty confident. It's clear that they feel pretty confident in their starting five. And I say five because Darnay Holmes is the slot, is kind of a starter as the fifth guy. They do like what they're seeing, and that's fine. But we all know, and you said it correctly, it's hard to keep all those guys healthy for the entire season. But the other thing is, and this goes back to our week-to-week schematics, there will be times when they're going to use six and maybe even seven defensive backs in a game. Oh, yeah. It's have, going you, to happen. You could have three, def, three. You can have three down linemen and eight defensive backs on a third and long. Like it's it, not impossible. It does not. It would not surprise me with Wink Martindale as the DC. That would not surprise me one bit at all. So they need to know they've got enough guys to play if they want to go to a dramatic page in the playbook. He talked about Kayvon Thibodeau, how he's gone to work every day. Smart player has really applied himself. Mm-hmm. Um, those are most of the things from Wink. Let's see what we got from Kafka here. He was uh, stepped up first to the podium. Uh, talked about the, the calling plays process is collaborative. You'll have a chance to do it on Thursday. Still no decision on what's going to happen when they get to the regular season. Um, I do how- like that, by the way, John. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I've been in favor of Kafka calling plays all along. Yeah, and it I'm does aware. it does sound like it's kind of nudging in that direction. I'm... And, you know, I was on the other side. I didn't think it was going to happen. I 
would be less surprised if it happened now than I would have been two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I'm leaning. I'm not saying I'm leaning in that direction, but I've tilted. Tilted slightly. <laughs> little tilt. Little teetered, tilt. teetered. The other thing he said, over the last seven to ten days, he thought the communication between the wide receivers mm. and the quarterbacks has really improved, and that's kind of shown itself in the practice field. Understanding, well, if I show you this body language, I'm going to do that. If I see this, I'm going to do that. So it seems like that's starting to come together a little bit with the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. You mentioned something today to me and asked me to expand on it on the MSG show that will be on later on tonight about Galladay. And you said recently he's had some of his best practices with Daniel Jones. I think since he's been a giant, absolutely. Totally concur. And and I believe that Galladay staying here during the offseason and working on his own with Jones, throwing passes, throwing routes, getting some type of chemistry together. You can tell he doesn't like the what the perception of him from his last two seasons. No, yeah. no. And he was ultra-focused this offseason to try to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. And his work during the offseason with Daniel Jones appears to, to, to start. It looks like it's starting to pay off. It really does. Agreed. Anything else you want to touch on from the from media today? Anything with the players that I maybe missed? No, I, I, think, run in? I think the only thing that uh, that I would add is that um, listening to, to Bellinger, uh, and you guys know Ricky Seals-Jones is still not out of practice. He's, he's dealing with, with uh, a malady. We don't have anything on what his deal is, right? What's wrong with him? Well, nothing we can say. Well, <laughs> they haven't announced it yet, right? Right. But he, he is dealing with some type of injury. And so uh, that's really opened up a lot of reps for the tight ends. Now, Bellinger's been getting more and more of those. Uh, we know that uh, Charlie's guy, Miller, uh, got dinged up the other day. So he's losing some reps. There's our boy Sean O'Hara in Detroit, by the way. How about that, yeah. Sean? So um, De- Bellinger's getting more reps the last two days. Yeah. And he had a drop today that I wasn't very happy about. But I'm sure you had a firm talking to with him after practice. No. 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 I think I'll excuse him yes. for this one. But um, I, I I see a guy who is very eager. Um, he seems to be very much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Attentive. Yes. Even on his blocking plays. No, yeah. I mean, if you watch him, John. No, he's very serious about this. He, yes. Yeah, he's getting into it. It's not like one of these tight ends who wants to be on ESPN every, every weekend who you could tell he's running his routes crisply, but now when it comes time to a blocking, he's going to dog it. That's not the case. He's he's out there and he's given he's given his all every time he's out there. So I'm impressed with Bellinger, but again, during the whole offseason I've been saying good things about him. Help me out here. Did O'Hara overlap with Dan Campbell at all, Paul, with the Giants? I don't believe he did. I don't think they did, right? No. They've missed each other by a couple years. Yes. What was Campbell's last year? Like two thousand three? Oh my goodness. Campbell's last year. Did he make it to Coughlin, Dan Campbell? I just remember when he left and went to Dallas. I wanna say two thousand two. See, pro football reference. What do you got? Dan Campbell. Uh, last year with Dallas, last year with the Giants was 2002. Yeah. yeah. You're right. He um, he left to go to Dallas as a free agent. They didn't have the money to pay him. And O'Hara's first year with the Giants was 2004, so they missed each other by two years. A couple of years, that's what two I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Dan Campbell a lot. He was a real workhorse. You know, it's funny. They've had a few of those guys here over the years, um, whether it be Boss, Dan Campbell. Jake Ballard. Jake Ballard. All of those guys were cut out of a similar cloth. Bear Pascal. Bear Pasco. Bear Pasco. Swing yeah. dancer. You remember that? <laughs> Cowboy. Yeah, at the 2011 Super Bowl celebration, he goes on the dance floor with his wife. He's flinging her around like he's like, it was unbelievable. 
He's Unbelievable. That's what they call a 10-gallon hat. They yeah, call that? he was wearing the 10-gallon <laughs> hat. I know. Nah, Bear was, I love Bear. Bear. Bear was just a great, great dude. He was awesome. So, All right, so let, let's get to the calls here. We got three people on hold. Let's get to you at 201-939-4513. But don't forget, the season's coming, folks. So season tickets are still on sale now for the 2022 season. Get your tickets in addition to the savings you get. Membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And for the one training camp practice left open to the public, Paul, two? Is it just uh, one? The last public practice is the 14th. 14th. So we got a couple more still to go yeah. now. So if you guys want to come out to practice, go to Giants.com. There are still tickets available for practices as well. I think the weekends are all sold out, but you should be able to score mm. some tickets for weekdays um, if you go on there. Who knows? Maybe people will return tickets for the weekend practice. That could happen, you, too. You can go check it out. All right. Let's go to the phones. Tim in Charleston has finally found this after many emails of not being able to. Tim, how are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so on that, John, I appreciate your help. Um, I got you through the, through the website today. But is the is it is it gone from the app now from now on? No, there are the 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 same top people that solve the streaming issue are now working on the app issue. So hopefully uh, sooner rather than later we'll be back up on the app. I, but yeah, unfortunately, I, I I think they have to check out the Ark of the Covenant inside that big crate first, and then they'll go work on the app after that. I appreciate yeah, it. No problem. That's why I always found you, and I had trouble you know with the website. But anyway, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I got one simple thing. And, um, you know, oh, first I just wanted to say, like you guys were talking about before, about playing the starters in the preseason and getting them some reps in all three games. Paul agrees with you, John, a thousand percent. I agree with Paul a thousand percent, so I guess that means I agree with you a million percent. But with, <laughs> I like at, the math. After, <laughs> yeah, after that math exercise, what I wanted to say is, is a key on offense and defense for me. And I'm going to start with the defense. In the defense, obviously – the way wing plays defense, the pass rush, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback, making him change what he wants to do is is paramount, and that puts pressure on the secondary. So the secondary is going to make some plays, and they're going to get beat sometimes. So I think sure. it comes down to, and I think Wink said this, and I think it comes down to one thing on defense that will be the, the uh, fulcrum point, which is stopping the run. If they stop the run, It'll get some in longer uh, second and longer third downs, allows the pass rush to be more effective, and I think it just goes from there. Likewise, on offense, for all the uh, playmakers we have and, and all these, you know, the Tonys and the Robinsons and, the, and Barkley and everything else, and obviously that's real important, but if we can't run the ball, it's not going to matter. So I think, again, and it goes so old school, but I, and I, so I'm sure Paul will agree it, it, that it, I think it comes down on both sides of the ball to being able to run it and to being able to stop the run. So It's always in the trenches, my man. It's Thank always, you, Tim. Appreciate yep. the call, bud. You know, it, it's always about the trenches. But, John, when you employ a high-risk, high-reward defense, like what Wink is going to do here, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. That's the way it's going to go. You have to. You have to. Gain respect with your rush defense first. Well, yeah, because you have to get into those third and longs to do your crazy stuff. You have no choice. The minute that you allow another team to run the ball against you, that opens up their playbook and now allows them to take advantage of all of your risk-taking on defense. Let me, let me, attack, that that. Let me attack that from two different angles. 
um, our Giants Huddle podcast. That is that Jerry Jones popping up it on the NFL Network said he just showed up. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I play, imagine covering practices down there. It must just be like who knows what could happen any day you're down there. It's unbelievable. Wow. Um, Guarantee John Mara's not going to do that with NFL Network. No. <laughs> um, well, I mean, wherever I was going, I got completely distracted. We were talking about uh, running the ball. Oh, yes, and uh, Wing Warren knows defense. So yes. on the John Settle podcast, last Wednesday, I did an interview with uh, Eric Eager, who basically runs um, Pro Football Focus's research and analytics department. And okay. the way he described it to me, and I, I never heard it quite this way. When I thought about it, I thought it was, all right, this is actually pretty smart. When you play a lot of man-to-man defense, you exacerbate the difference in the talent levels between the two teams. Mm-hmm. So if you're really good and you play a lot of man-to-man, you're going to make your opponent look worse, especially if they're not very good. Right. But if you're at a talent deficiency and you run a lot, a lot, run a lot of man-to-man and the other group's better than you, you pay. it's going to look bad. <laughs> so I thought that was a great way to kind of just put it into words, mm-hmm. the impact of playing a lot of man-to-man defense. So I agree with you, and I will say this. I have all the confidence in the world that Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence and Blake Martinez are going to be fine. I'm not as quite as confident about the edges. So I think your run defense up the middle is going to be okay, but I want to see more along the edges. And I think when I've seen this Giants offense and nine and sevens and stuff pop something, it's when the play starts in the middle and then it cuts over with the tackle, right. cuts outside the guard. That's fair. So, that's kind of what my focus is on here in terms of the run defense. Look, Blake's going to be he's he, he's he's a good middle linebacker. He just he's good against the run. He's good. Dexter and Leonard are good. We know they're good players, and we mm-hmm. know that's what they're good at. Mm-hmm. So, if there's going to be an issue with the run defense, and I don't think there will be, I think they'll be fine. But I would keep an eye on the stuff that goes outside the guards, off tackle, outside the tackle, and see how the cornerbacks tackle. Now Holmes is. A, Pretty aggressive tackler. So is Aaron Robinson. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Dory's willing to do stuff out there. So I think they'll be fine. But that, to me, is more of a question than the right-up-the-gut stuff with 97 and 99 and 54. In there. I think that's very fair, John. And a couple of reasons why you have to continue to uh, think along those lines. Number one, the Giants' edge rushers outside of, of Thibodeau, they're not the strongest guys. Yeah, Zizo Jolari is not a huge guy. He's okay. not huge. Ellison Smith needs to add power. O'Shane Zimenez needs to add power. Smith has the frame for it, though. Got the like, frame, Smith but he certainly has a bigger frame than Zimenez. But has. He, like, he's, he's 6'7", 245. No question, yeah. but he needs to add more power. The well, power quotient is not where, where I want it to be. Yet. Well, when you're tall, 267, that's a leverage, leverage deal, and then no you doubt. have to be even stronger to make up for that lack mm-hmm. of leverage. So, you know, I, I look at these guys and I say to myself, okay, they don't have, for example, Carl Banks had a high power quotient. Mm-hmm. All right. He wasn't mm-hmm. the most gigantic, humongous strong side linebacker, but he was very, very strong and powerful and stout for his size. And that's why he was able to anchor and hold down the, the position that he was. I don't think the Giants edge guys, as many as they, I mean, Cam Brown, Cam Brown is a very athletic linebacker. Sure. He's got length. He doesn't have a lot of power compared to other guys in the league that we talk about. Yeah, he's only 233. Uh. The power quotient's not there, John. I'll be honest with you. and it's I just not. I didn't realize he was listed this heavy. Just looking at him, Thibodeau doesn't look 258 to me. Oh, because he's put together very well. Like, Darian Beavers looks 258 yes. to yes. me. Like, I he's, agree. He's much... Wa- like, the one thing people... And it's funny... And now I've gotten a chance of really looking him up close. 
since training camps mm-hmm. are and everything. The one thing people talked about Thibodeau, he's a little narrow-hipped and he's a narrow base. Mm-hmm. Very true. Mm-hmm. His, he doesn't have a thick, not at all, thick trunk, thick lower body. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have that. You know what I mean? I agree. Which is fine. You don't have to. There, it's not like that's some you know debilitating you know deficiency or whatever. But that is that is true. He's not. He's built well, like you said. He's tall. He's upper body proportional, but he doesn't have the you know that 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 thick lower portion where you know you kind of you know are strong down low. Mm-hmm. Which is why Beavers is such an intriguing prospect to me. Because now they've been running him a lot inside the last couple of practices, and he's performed very well. But Beavers is a more physically imposing guy when you look at him. And the Giants have talked about maybe using him on the outside because he did do some of that at Cincinnati when he was in college. I wonder how much of that may come into play on early downs against the run because he can be stout in that regard. But but the other thing I was going to say in terms of the, the whole power quotient thing, that's where Wink has to be very careful with his schematics because one of the things that he wants to do, he's going to send slot blitzes, corner blitzes, safety blitzes. He's sneaking those guys up into gaps. Julian loves up there all the time. Okay. Now, honestly, John, if a team understands that they're going to be able to pound on your smaller guys who are coming on blitzes and they can't slither through and they're not quick enough to get home, all of a sudden, teams say to themselves, all right, you're going to start sending these guys? Guess what? We're going to go heavy. We're going to go with one of our jumbo packages or our monster packages or one of our heavy packages. And we're going to sick a fullback onto your blitzing corner. Or we're going to make sure that we're going to pick up that, that, that corner blitz with a tight end. And all of a sudden now, if you get too fancy with all these smaller guys in the back seven coming on blitzes, you're setting yourself up for getting muscled around. Yeah, sure. Because teams will then decide they're going to get into a slugfest with you, and they will push you off the field. So I just wrote it down, and I put it on the wall. I got a bold prediction for you. Yes. Julian Love gets a contract extension before the regular season's over. I put it on the wall. That is my bold prediction. For the season, I think it's it's reasonable. I Wink just, C really seemed to love him when he talked. About yes, him he today. did. Now, what I don't know is how does Joe Shane feel about doing deals in midseason? I don't know. It's a good question. And I go back how they locked up those two safeties in Buffalo long term. They did. That's kind of they why did. I'm making that prediction. They did. So anyway, two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Stoss in Washington. We've talked to Stoss in a oh while. My What's goodness. up, buddy? Yeah. Hello. Hey, what's up, guys? How's everyone doing? We're good, dude. How are you? I'm good, John. How's your baby doing, man? Uh, he was fantastic. Had his three-month checkup today. Uh, checked in at uh, 13 pounds and 9 ounces, so he is doing well. That's awesome. It's good to hear. Did you guys say there's only uh, two more um, practices that the uh, fans can visit? It's a good question. I can actually get that exact number for you right now, Stas. The last date is the 14th. That I can tell you for sure. Now, there'll be one tomorrow. Training camp schedule. Here we go. Um, Two more. Yeah, Tuesday, August 9th, and Sunday, August 14th. And that's it. Yep, two more. Well, I'm going to tell you, thank God for that, because the amount of fans of the Giants that are all of a sudden they're shaman priests and they have PhDs in kinesis is driving me crazy. Everybody's (laughs) like, well, did you notice how he rubbed his nose when they asked about Daniel Jones? What that really means is that the lunar eclipse is going to... I'm just like, shut up. No one knows anything, guys. Let's just watch some football. <laughs> you, know, you know, Stas. Preseason is here. 
Yeah, yeah. Here's you know the what thing. I'm saying? Like it's just, it's just cell phones sorry, and the ability of cell phones to take pictures and video has made an amateur analysis or analyst out of out of so many people who should not even enter those waters. Let's put it that way. The worst part about that is that none of them believe that they're amateurs. That's the worst part about it. How true. Um, That's the one thing. If I could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the people in general, it would be for people to understand and be self-aware of what they don't know and don't understand. I say it all the time. There are way too many people. And by the way, I'm guilty of this sometimes too. Paul's guilty of this sometimes too. We all are. It happens. all of us. You have to understand there are things, a lot of things on this planet that you're not an expert in. And, you know, just trying to draw a lot of conclusions out of things that you don't necessarily know everything that you're looking at. And I'm looking, I said it all the time on the show. I'm like, look, guys, I'm looking at this. I don't know what the play call is. I don't know if the receivers, if this is the receiver's fault, the quarterback's fault. I don't know. Like, it's okay to say, I don't know. And I have to ask somebody mm-hmm. in the yeah. because there's some things you. We just don't know. Stas, I, I, I said this many, many, many years ago, and, and the smartest people in the world know what they don't know. Know what they and don't if, know. Thank and you. if you think about that statement. That was the phrase I was looking for. It's, Thank you. You know, I mean, well, I copyrighted that like 25 years ago. It's, it's one of my favorite phrases in life, and I tell people all the time, know what you don't know. Then you'll be a smart guy. Yeah, absolutely. No, I absolutely agree with it. You know, I, I think, like, listen, we're all football fans. We watch enough football to say we know certain things. But to sit down and try to give an analysis of what we're seeing at training camp when you don't know what the purpose of the practice was, what in, if there's a new install, if, if they're being asked to do something different, if, and you don't know any of these, it just gets so annoying. Like, some of these Twitter spaces, I've, I've literally just stopped getting on them because they're just they're so obnoxious. Stas, you're going to love this. This is it. You're going to love this. Let me let me just, I'll let you finish, but you're going to love this. Just yesterday, John Feliciano got up at the media session and he told people, I don't know what you're making so much out of all these one-on-ones for because the, there are writers who have been harassing Evan Neal because he's had some sporadic one-on-one victories and losses during practice. He, and, he, he, he had one really nice rep against Thibodeau. Today, he did, by the he way. did. Mm-hmm. So, so some of the folks on the blogs and so forth have been getting on him. Oh, you see, Neil's losing some of these. He's losing balance. He's doing this, oh, he's doing that. Oh, you were on when Charlie called me and Lance last week and proclaimed him a draft boss. Did he? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so anyway, Feliciano gets up to in front of the media <laughs> yesterday, and he goes, okay, you guys understand he's working on some new techniques at practice during those one-on-ones. So what do you expect? He's trying some new yeah. techniques that they're trying to teach him. Well, duh. Of course, then, if he's trying some new techniques and he's trying to learn them, he's going to have some mistakes while he's employing the new techniques. Duh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's laughable. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. I mean, I look at it like this. this is what I look, like, we're going to see this preseason game. Here's, here's what I'd like to see. On running plays, I want to see our starting offense get a good push. On passing plays, I want to see them create a good pocket. I'd like to see the offense score. I'd like to see us take some hits. I'd like to see a few fumbled balls now so that we can say, okay, let's clean up that technique for the season. And on defense, I'd like to see some push. Um, And if you get beat, I want to see you get beat because that guy was better than you, not because of a technique thing. I want to see you – I want to see a couple of uh, – uh, I want to see a couple of brain farts from the defense where they where they screw up the coverage so we can correct it. 
I want to see the mistakes because that's what it's for, right? Like practice is for the mistakes. Preseason is for the mistakes. Mm-hmm. So let's just stop blowing up the mistakes and let's just say, okay, cool. I mean, in my life, I'm 42 years old. I've learned way more from my failures than I've ever did from anything I did right off, did well straight off the bat. So, yeah, let's see some mistakes and let's see it get better. Like this offense isn't going to come in looking like they've been playing together for 16 years. Uh, I remember an article in 2007 where Plasco Burris, who was in that read option with, with uh, Kevin Gilbert and Eli, said that him and Eli didn't really and truly get completely on the same page to year three of the same offense. These things take time. You know, let's just have some fun and enjoy that football's back. And here's my bold prediction. Giants get into the playoffs. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good stuff, Stas. Put it on the board. Thank you, Stas. All right, man. Call again. 201-939-4513. You don't have anything on that? You have no comments? Well, he's taking a very rational approach to what he wants to see. Now, whether or not you or I think the Giants will make the playoffs, I think that's that's probably a little bit of a reach. I will I think say this. They could realistically have a winning record. If the Giants were in the AFC, I'd say no shot. Right. Because AFC is ridiculous. Yes. NFC, you get a couple you get a couple bounces go your way and stuff like that. You sneak in right around five hundred. Maybe. You know, people keep Maybe. asking me out of camp out by the fence, you know, what do you think? And and I tell them, I said, listen, I don't Get into my real prediction until right before opening yeah, day. We're not but I don't I don't think it's a stretch to look at this 90-man roster, and we've said this on the show before, to think the Giants could get eight or nine wins this year. I don't think that is a ridiculous statement to make. There's five or six non-division games that certainly they should be very ultra-competitive in. And, and then if you can get two or three wins in your division – well, they're going to have to. They're going to have to to get that high. They're going to have to win all the games but that you think they're supposed. You to You got you got to play to the back of your football card. Mm-hmm. You've got to play as well as you're expected to play. You can't have guys getting hurt, and you can't have guys having off seasons. If those things happen, you will sink. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He's up next. Hey, Scott. Hi guys, how you doing today? Hi. Uh, Paul, I agree with you 100%. In fact, in the very beginning, oh, about a month or so ago, I tried to bet Jeff a golf club that the Giants would win at least 10 games, but you wouldn't let me. So No, 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 no. You don't want uh, to do that. At least 10. Right. That's, that's a lot. That, that, that is a lot. But, I, a lot. you know, Scott, I, I will tell you this. The team is better. I think we can unequivocally right. say the team is better. I want to How see much, them. I'm, I'm, I'm you know. waiting to see them in games, Paul. And, I, and that's well, fair. I have not. Th- I have not seen them take one snap in even a preseason game yet. I'm not willing to that's say fair. a damn thing yet. On on paper, we which means e- nothing. We haven't even seen a co-practice against another team on, yet. On paper, which means nothing. I can say that this 90-man roster looks a lot more tasty well, to me than yeah, last year's 90-man well, I mean, roster. Last year, there were like eight key injuries, so you hope just with the guys being healthy, well, they're going to be better. I agree with exactly. that, but let's see what this injury list looks like when we get to September Oh, I know. 11th. I know. You know what I, I know. mean? September 12th. I know. I, right. I, I think as far as Wink Martindale, I don't think anybody has anything to worry about. It was a game in 2019 
he sent five rushers on 27 of 45 dropbacks against Buffalo, and they hit, they allowed eight yards, four sacks, and one takeaway. And so I think he's going to manifest the same kind of defense, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, I always thought from the beginning of Wink Martin there was really an upgrade. Scott, remember, uh, Scott, remember, you need the talent. It doesn't matter what the scheme is. Look at Wink Martindale well, defense last year when they lost their top three cornerbacks. It was right. a nightmare. No, it is gonna, it's, I agree with you. It's going to depend on injury and all of that. Right. But uh, And that was one of the questions I had. I don't know if you know the status of Nick Gates or Dane Belton because I like both of them. Belton's going to be a little while. Knew. Belton's going to be a little bit while. Gates, too. And they, you know, Shane did kind of reference, you know, maybe – He'll be off pop by the time the regular season comes along, but we'll see. You got, you got to think the season will start without Nick Gates. You can't think right, that he's going to be there week one. You can't. Do you think he'll play is really what I was going to ask. I think you there's know, a realistic chance he'll be, he'll be activated before the season is over. I agree. And that's as far okay. as I'm now, going will to Now, will he play over John Feliciano? Probably not, unless right. something's gone wrong. Right. But, yes, I agree. I believe he will be an active player on the 53 or he will be eligible to be active on mm-hmm. the 53-man roster at some point this season. I believe that. Okay. My main question, it's the only one I have, uh, is this. I know everybody's been beating Daniel over the head, uh, you know, and thinking Tyrod Taylor's eventually going to take over, which I think is a lot of bunk. But uh, Tyrod Taylor's played in 70 games in 10 years. uh, I think he has 58 touchdowns and 25 interceptions. I don't see that. I think he's a good fill-in, but he's not Daniel Jones. Where I want Don't me to, to get count how many touchdowns opinion. Daniel Jones has in his games he's played? Uh, Scott, I was no, just going to say, <laughs> to be fair, Scott, Ty- Tyrod Taylor, you know, did a great job of getting Buffalo into the playoffs some years ago right. when they ended yeah, their drought. And so to be fair to him, right. yeah, to be fair to him, and I, and I think it's important, he's thrown the ball very well during this offseason. He does have some mobility. And, right. and to be frank... The number one reason why he's been unable to hold the starting job consistently has been injuries. Yes, and again, that was not me right. taking a shot at Daniel. It was just pointing out that right. use using that stat as the stat isn't right. indicative of how good the quarterback is. I concur. Is. That right. was the point I, I agree. was making. Okay, my, my, my question to you both. Uh, everyone is sort of saying Daniel Jones is the key to the offense. I think the opposite. I think Saquon Barkley is the key Scott, to the offense. Scott, I hate to tell you this. You could pick any NFL team on this planet right now. The key to their offense is their quarterback. Okay, but I think there are quarterbacks, for example, we're going to be playing Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill is an average, to me, a good quarterback, not a great one. That's fine. But the strength of the team is obviously Derrick Henry. I understand, but if so, you take Ryan Tannehill off the team and you put some scrub in there, guess what? You're going to put nine men in the box sure. against Derrick Henry, no, and I, he's not going to gain any yards. Let's put it this right. way. How did it go after Jones got hurt last year and Mike Glennon took over? That is, Paul, Correct. thank you. That is you, That could not have been put better. That could not, and that right. could not have been put better. Thank you. But do, but I'm going to situations like, for example, I think the leading receiver last year was um, Evan Ingram, I think, right. was 46. Right, yeah. And then I think Saquon Barkley had 41. How many points? They can't it? have that. Yeah, well, They can't have that statistic. Well, yeah, but they have, Scott, that's the point. They didn't score any points last year. Scott, if you want to score points, need the quarterback to be Here's where we've we got to deal with some semantics, Scott, because I think you're right that the offense runs through Barkley. Much like you used to talk about in basketball, the offense ran through Patrick Ewing with the Knicks. The offense Correct. will run through Barkley, but but Daniel Jones has to have a good year for the Giants to do well. 
So I agree with I agree with John, but I also agree with you that the offense still will run through Barkley. He'll get the most combined touches of anybody. For example, Scott, and this is how I'll put it to you. I joke with everybody when it comes, and Paul loves talking fantasy football, so he'll love this comment. Um, (laughs) When 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 you're drafting running backs in fantasy football, the first thing you look at who's the quarterback with that running back? Because if the team does not have a quarterback, teams will just load up against the running back. And you can stop a running game if you put enough guys up there. You can do it. And if you're on a bad team, you get behind in games because you have a bad quarterback, then you can't run it anymore because you're playing from behind. So (laughs) the most most important thing to a good running back is having a good quarterback that the team has to respect and that will keep you in games. Yeah. Okay, well, that was my question. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay. And, and having a good offensive line doesn't hurt either. <laughs> no, it does not hurt at all. That, 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 is also a, that is also a very important part yes, of that equation. But that's yes. not part of fantasy football, so nobody no. in fantasy cares. No, well, I mean, you, you analyze the offensive lines when you, when you, when you draft your guys. Do you? Okay. Yeah, sure you do. Well, the, well, the people that want to win do. Yeah. I don't play fantasy. <laughs> oh, man. 201-939-4513. Oh, Did you see Belichick's answer to that child? No, you, I didn't. I, you know what? It's funny. I I think I read a quote, but I, I it seemed very out of context to me. I didn't know what the deal was, but yeah, please give it to me. What well, do you got? There, there was a youngster who apparently asked um, Bill Belichick at a press like conference. When you say youngster, are you talking like teenager or are you talking like— Pearson, how old How old was he? Teenager, I'm assuming. Okay. Was, was he a teenager? Oh, so, yeah. so it, it was kind of like a kid reporter. Yeah, like a young years. reporter. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Yeah, and, and asked— um, I'm just happy Pearson's done giggling over there. Ask Bill Belichick. Let me see. Here's the question, okay? He goes, we're obsessed with fantasy football. Even though uh, we know you don't play, do you think it's good or bad for the NFL? Well, you know what? That's actually a, that's actually an interesting question to ask Bill It Belichick. is. From a marketing perspective, it's a very interesting question. Huh? From a business perspective and from a, a Q factor perspective, it's an absolutely good question. Remember, the more money the NFL makes, the bigger Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick's contract okay. gets. So Belichick decides he's going to answer it straightforward as a football question. Mm-hmm. Shocking. And he says, <laughs> honestly, I should, honestly, I don't really have any opinion on that. Fantasy football doesn't mean anything to me. We're, we're just trying to win games out here. So I don't know who's hot, who's not, who wins, who doesn't. I don't care about that. I just care about whether we win. Uh, so uh, have fun with that. <laughs> that was your Bill Belichick impression? I, I got nothing else. That I'm was, sorry. That was weak. I'm sorry. I got nothing, <laughs> I got nothing else. But, you know, and he smiled at the end of the answer. He All smiled right, so as not to offend the, the, the youngster. But, no, you know, and, and that's, um, that's how I feel. I'm sorry. That's, that's you know, I got you. I'm on the same page as Bill. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Well, we got a few minutes left. I'm glad. I'm going to take Cliff in New York. He's okay, up next. Hey, do Cliff, it. Cliff, how are you? <laughs> Go ahead, Cliff. Hey, hi, guys. How you doing? What's going hi. on? Hi. Yeah, uh, great stuff today, uh, as usual. Um, I loved hearing that Feliciano had something to say at the press conference. I, I hope they all do that. Uh, you know, I, I, I hate to have these guys think, well, they got to tune everything out, you know, and they got to shut out the noise, yada, yada. You know, I'm, I'm delighted that they have time or an inclination to speak up once in a while and teach somebody something and, and maybe it'll get through because, uh, you know, I mean, the fan base might as well get better too, right? I, mean, I, I get the impression uh, that Feliciano has really good leadership skills. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Bills folks brought him here. Yeah, that's why I picked him for MVP when you were looking for MVP nominees. You know, if if he can lead putting together the line the way they imagined it when they signed all those guys and 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 the draft 
I'll tell you what, um, if, uh, Cliff, if, 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 he better be a really good center yeah, he's right? with the offensive MVP. But I, I totally understand what you're saying. Cliff, I, I will that. say this to you as a yeah. side note. It was him yeah. who went after Tay Crowder after the third play of abrasiveness today, much like Nick Gates would always go after yeah. somebody if they went after one of his teammates during yeah. a game. Nick Gates has done that before. Okay. Right. Richie Seibert and Chris Neal are also the same. Same guy. type of guys who would foam at the mouth, and you better not fuss with my guys. And Feliciano showed that today. He's got that pit bull dog in him. I like it. I, I also like Work what out. I heard about the line. The, there was a practice recently, I forget which one, where they, they folk, the, the guys were talking about what it was like in the trenches during the practice that they were banging around, and it just struck me as, like, yeah, if we can really get the trenches going, then we'll have a winning record. Isn't that what it really comes down to yeah, on both sides of the ball? It always the starts there. Going, we have plenty of talent. huh? Yeah, it always starts in the trenches. We know that. And and you know what? Yeah, well, we haven't had it. We haven't had it. You know, we, we have we – have, we have, we're, we're going to attack the quarterback and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better about the defensive line. I think we're going to have one, even though it's going to look a little different. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm listening to these predictions. You know, I've been inclined to have the same feeling about, you know, the winning record and stuff. And I, and I really, I really, I'm kind of with John. I, I have to wait a little bit longer. I don't even know who the 53 is going to be. Uh, but um, I, I definitely feel a lot better, uh, and I'm feeling good about about where we're at and I'm wondering if it's if it's because they're actually more coordinated and communicating better than than the last year at this time for example there were no less than six backup quarterback candidates at this time last year and that struck me as funny and it turned out to be a bad omen you know uh, I, I just wonder if everybody's on the same page more and they're more together I mean you guys are close enough to feel if there's any difference in that regard yeah, yeah Cliff and, and, and thanks for the call look I do think that there's really good synergy between the front office and the coach 100% but look I think at this time of year this is this is the season of hope right if you can't feel good and have hope and feel good about your team on August 8th it's gonna be a rough year <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is when everyone starts feeling good about their team. It really is. Mm-hmm. This is when people start feeling good about them. So, look, I would, I would. Play, I'm not sure what Vegas has him as, but I would have the over under at around seven or so games, give or take. That's where I would put the over under this year. I believe that's what the Vegas folks are saying. Yeah. Seven. I remember we, we talked about that when we talked about the Washington Commanders and them on another right. show. They're around the same number. I mean, that's where I would put it. And I think you know, if things go really well, you win a bunch of. Remember these records at the end of the day. Is going to depend on whether or not you win your close games, right? You know, I always assume when I when I do my, you know, well, what should their record have been? I just assume you any games that are decided by one score, you win half, you lose half, and then you figure out where you're at after that. But if the Giants happen to have one of those years where they go six and two in, or like eight and two in close games, or eight and four in close games, well, you know what? Then they could win eight, nine, ten games. If it's a year where they go three and five in close games, well, then they might only win five or six games this year. It all depends on how you do those, win those close games, and that can come down to Mr. May field goals. It can come down to a bounce of the ball. It could come down to a, a coaching decision. It can come down to a two-point conversion, a, a penalty, exactly. All these little minuscule things that swing close games one way or the other, that's what's going to determine what the record is. So, again, I would not obsess myself with the record this year, folks. This is still a first year of a new regime where they're trying to put their program in place, bring their players in, build their roster. They want to build it. 
and it's the first step in a long process. So if they happen to play above expectations and win a lot of games, great. I'll be thrilled to cover a team that wins nine or ten games. I'll be ecstatic. It'll be great. <laughs> Love every minute of it. I'm, I'd much rather be flying home from Seattle at like one o'clock in the morning on October thirtieth after a you know twenty to seventeen win than a twenty three twenty loss. So let's win as let's go win as many games as the Giants possibly can. But look to me. This is not about the wins and losses. When I leave this year, this is my question, all right? Do I feel really good about my two offensive tackles? Do I feel really good about my two edge rushers? Do I feel really good about my wide receiver core? And how do I feel about my quarterback? And my corners. That's what I'm asking. And you pass rush. Well, I, I, I said edge players. That's fair. I already feel good about Leonard and Dexter. I'm not yeah, worried about that. That's fair. But do I feel good about Thibodeau? Do I feel good about Ellerson Smith? Do I feel good about Ojolari? Do I feel good about Darnay Holmes? Do I feel good about Aaron Robinson? Mm-hmm. Do I feel good about Julian Love? Do I feel good about Evan Neal? Do I feel good about Andrew Thomas? And all these, you know, does what does Kadarius Tony do? What does Wendell Robinson do? What does Galladay do? Like, and Saquon, of course. Like, how do I feel about these individual players when the year is over so I know, you know, you talk about trying to build a skyscraper, right? Well, how many floors are already done, Paul? Do we have five floors done? Do we have ten floors done? Or do we have, like, two floors done? I don't know how many floors no. are done. No. I want to have that skyscraper as tall as it can be at the end of the year. And I'd rather have two fewer wins and have the skyscraper be five or ten levels mm-hmm. higher than squeak out nine wins, but, oh, no, I've only had five floors built on my hundred-story you know, foot, hundred story skyscraper. And then I have too much work to do. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah. Ultimately, it goes back to something Lance talks about all the time. And he says it's not necessarily about the rookie class, but how are the second and third year players going to play? All the guys in rookie contracts. And you mentioned mm-hmm. a whole ton of them just now. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the future of this organization. And I, by the way, I didn't. I only didn't mention McKinney because I already feel pretty good about yeah. him. I'm not worried about so, him. So now, if that cluster of players all plays well and shows ups, this team will be good for the next three to four years. Right. And you won't just be a one-year, okay, we were decent around 500, and then the next year we fall off a cliff again. As long as you figure out the quarterback. Yes. Which is the most important No question. Thing. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, John. Don't forget, folks, Giant Suites are available. Giants.com slash suites. 888-NYG-1925. Giants games, but also concerts. All that sort of stuff. You get full season locations or individual games. Check it out. Giants.com slash suites. For Paul Dettino, I'm John Schmelk. Tomorrow it will be Lance. It'll be Fiegels and Dettino tomorrow. We will not be live because we'll be traveling. Oh, no. Tomorrow's no, Tuesday, tomorrow's right? tomorrow's Tuesday. I keep thinking today's Tuesday. <laughs> I yet, know. Because yesterday we were here on a Sunday and it makes it feel like a that Monday. was a Monday and this I is I thought Tuesday. the same thing. Let me try that again. Yes, sir. Tomorrow it will be <laughs> Lance and I doing the show. Wednesday, it'll be Datino and Feagles, but it'll be a tape show yes. because we'll be on our way to, to New England yes. to take on take on the Patriots on Thursday. Then on Thursday, I'm trying to get Feagles to do the show at Lance because clearly I can't do it because I will be preparing for a game at Foxborough. Yes. So check that out. Then we're back on Friday, 2 o'clock all week long. Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thank you, Pearson. Thank you, Paul. I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.